Hi, I'm Emmy Award-winning TV reporter Mara Schiavocampo, joined by Pulitzer Prize winner Wesley Lowry and former senior magazine editor Keith Reed. Today on Run Tell This, Wes is out on assignment, but we're joined by journalist and podcast host Farai Chidea to spill all the royalty. Get it? Royalty? <laughs> Apparently, Piers Morgan can't stand his own medicine. And what do we make of the palace's statement in response to the interview heard around the world? Plus, British scholar and author Kyindi Andrews on why he says the British monarchy is just another white supremacist institution. Wesley is um, traveling on assignment this week, so he is out. I was out last week, so it's been a few weeks since since the trio has been together. However, in Wesley's place this week, we are very happy to have the one and only Farai Chidea. Farai, thank you for thank being you, here. Thank you, Mara. I'm so excited to be here. This week, we're doing a single topic headlines run because it feels like there's really only one thing to talk about this week. Oprah Winfrey's interview with uh, Harry and Meghan. My takeaway from that interview, and this was 20 minutes into it, I had this thought, that this is the most explosive and strongest tell-all, sit-down television interview in television history. And the rest of the interview bore that out. Farai, what did you think when you were watching it? You know, it's it's funny. I had... Um... You know, as as black girls from Baltimore who watch too much PBS mystery theater do, fanciful notions that the UK's race situation was better than ours. And I remember interviewing the actor Delroy Lindo, who grew up in the UK till he was 10. You know, he's, um, you know, from Jamaican heritage, grew up in the UK and then moved to the US. And he's like, no. And I was like, but you have British accents, so you have to be nicer. He's like, no. And and I just think that, you know, uh, I come from a family where half of my family is Southern African, Zimbabwe and South Africa, you know, dealt with apartheid style systems. And half of it is American, Black, Jim Crow. And I think it just re- it just reinforces to me colonialism. Like when you're when you're listening to Megan, she's talking about colonialism and its modern effects. And so to me, this is a great history lesson. You know, I want to start reading some more history about colonialism because that's how we ended up here. And that's why the Queen Mother is in some some hot soup is because of the legacy of colonialism, not letting anyone off the hook. From a journalistic perspective, I agree with everything that you said. Oprah did what Oprah does. She did a fantastic interview, um, you know, with with with. That, that brought in a huge audience and she did it masterfully for what it was what aired was superb from a from the perspective of somebody who who observes who conducts and observes interviews now my personal feelings about it let's let's just say I don't want to know. I I, I want to know why so many people who watched it were surprised at what they heard. And I want to know and I want to know why one of the people involved in the interview itself was so surprised at what was going on. You're talking about Oprah. No, I ain't talking about Oprah. Are you talking about Megan? I'm, I'm talking about Meghan Markle. I'm trying to figure out how you as an African-American woman left this grown African-American woman, left this country to marry into the monarchy that seats at the center of global colonial racism and power. 
and you going to tell me you didn't know this is what you was walking into? She said in that interview, I didn't even I didn't even Google him. And I was going like, come on now. Well, do you think she's lying or you think she's naive? I had some inclination towards towards cynicism about where Meghan Markle was coming from just because I occupy and I was raised by women who occupied the space of being black in this country. I had a lot of empathy for, for her experience and the trauma that she that she went through. But to watch somebody who comes from that particular place and that particular experience sit in front of a camera and say, I didn't I didn't know it was gonna be like this. To watch somebody sit in front of that camera and say, I I didn't know what I was walking into. I had to I had never even I had never even Googled the monarchy. I had never even looked up Prince Harry. I I I'm going I'm sorry, what? To be fair, Farai has just said that she thought until she did, you know, this this important interview that it was a kinder, gentler racism, maybe because yeah, they speak with a absolutely. British accent and everything is very posh and pretty. I thought the same thing, that certainly there was this history of colonialism, but that now they were almost it's almost kind of like Disneyland. OK, now they're just these figureheads in a pretty palace. It's a little bit of escapism for the rest of us to watch the pomp and circumstance and the wedding. And so I was surprised. And it seemed like Oprah was genuinely shocked by the uh, the mention of the, the colorism as it relates to the baby. I, I don't I don't I don't I don't I don't believe that Oprah was genuinely shocked. I think we I think we all know that part of being a good interviewer is is being a is being able to turn on whatever acting chops you have like oprah's won an oscar like like let's be let's be clear right so you like think she was shocked oprah, i think she was both genuinely shocked and acting genuinely shocked if that makes any sense you know it's like sense. she yeah because she she is someone who um I, I think she she probably was genuinely shocked uh but also that she emotes in public as part of what she does. And that's not a bad thing. I think it's, you know, I think one of the things that happens a lot for those of us who do more traditional journalism is like, oh, I have to keep my emotions in check because I can't crack face or whatever. And I think that Oprah has done some incredible interviews and she does go big with it. So I really did have some fantasies, you know, and not just based on you know, a British accent, but also looking like I was really into ska music and I saw multiracial ska bands and I was like, oh, well, maybe they have their act together more than we do. And, you know, we always want to think that that um, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. And I think that what's interesting to me about this story is is not the casual racism, which, of course, that's important, but it's that the whole industry of the monarchy is falling apart. The industry of the monarchy was built on pretending that you had no um, self other than service to the country and that you, you know, you did your job, you got up, you gave your speeches. The wheels fell off the bus there. And, and you know, I actually have a lot of empathy for the Queen Mother, regardless of, I mean, like, that's a, it's a, it's a, you know, I'm not, I'm not crying tears over her like I do over people who, died after being evicted during a pandemic. Don't get me wrong, but like she's in a tough spot. I was very keen on seeing how the British media was going to respond to this interview because the British media has a reputation for being scathing and incredibly vicious. It's as though there are 
you know, multiples of the, the New York Post, you know, kind of the worst tabloids in the United States. There, there are multiples of them um, in the UK, but they're survivors above all else. So my inclination was to think that based on how I perceived the interview, that they came across very sympathetically, especially, you know, the revelations of, of Meghan Markle saying that she was suicidal when she was five months pregnant broke my heart. And I thought that the British press was going to be very strategic in now making her a sympathetic figure. Boy, was I wrong. Because when I woke up the next day and I start looking online at the British press, they have now doubled down on their hatred and their tearing apart of Meghan Markle, suggesting that she was lying about everything, that she's acting throughout this whole thing and just making her out now to be a supervillain. And one of the key ringleaders of that was Piers Morgan. This is not new for Piers Morgan. And the backstory here to me is so interesting because so much of Piers Morgan's hatred of Meghan Markle comes from the fact, and this is his telling of the story, so we're getting it from him, that she reached out to him when she was on Suits as an actress before she started dating Harry. She was in the UK and she wanted to meet with him as a journalist. He agrees to meet with her. They meet for drinks, pre-dinner drinks. They have a lovely chat and she tells him she's going out with some friends later. She gets in an Uber, she leaves. Shortly thereafter, she begins dating Harry. He reaches out to her to, you know, with some kind of friendly follow-up and she never gets back to him. So she ghosted him after one professional pre-dinner drink. And he has loathed her ever since for that. He reminds me of the guy, and every woman knows this guy, that tries to holler at you and when you politely reject him, he calls you a bitch. That's who Pierce Morgan is. So Tuesday, he quits his show over this. Pierce Morgan showed himself to be exactly what we've always known Pierce Morgan to be, right? Pierce Morgan been, been, been out here trying to bully people. Pierce Morgan was the worst manifestation of that. And he's always been the worst manifestation of, of that. And to Mara's point, there's a there's a... There's a word that we call dudes who behave in that particular way. It's the same word that you, you that you use that they said that that you know men will call you if you if they don't like your response. Uh, oh, the word that you don't yeah. like to use outside of a kennel, as they say. Yeah, it's a word that you <laughs> yes. that you ain't supposed to use outside of a kennel. I ain't gonna use that word because I don't use that kind of language. I ain't that kind of person. But it's a word. It's a word that we use that we use for cats who 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 act a certain kind of way. And them cats who act like that word that you ain't supposed to use outside of a kennel. Those cats don't like to be challenged by people, but especially by other dudes. Keith, you just pointed out that guys like Pierce Morgan, you know, they can harass a woman, but they can't stand up to another man. And what was it that got him to walk off the set Dude, of his own show? It was being confronted by a man, a black man, no less. Shout out to Brothers Across the Pond. And I understand that you've got a personal relationship with Meg Markle or had one and she cut you off. She's entitled to cut you off if she wants to. Has she said anything about you since she cut you off? I don't think she has, but yet you continue to trash her. Okay, I'm done with this. No, no, no. Sorry. No. It was the fact that he was challenged by another man. It was the fact that that man was black. And it was the fact that that man was, was on set with him and close enough to make him physically uncomfortable. And I don't know if you've seen that this dude, but for purposes of research, I looked at his Instagram and he is also- For purposes also, of research. For purposes of research, because <laughs> there were a tremendous number of shirtless photos of him on his Instagram. Ladies, I'm not suggesting you do your own research. However, if you're interested you in- You might as well just go ahead and give up the handle because you know what they want to do. You <laughs> might as well just- 
But my point is, uh, this is a very fit dude. Like, this is not somebody that you want to get in a tussle with, especially not if you're Pierce Morgan. I can see that how that physical presence would be intimidating. So one of the big developments today, and a big question after the interview was, how is the palace going to respond to this? Because they have to respond in some way. And I was talking to someone who's very, very familiar with uh, the, the royal family and royal protocol, and they reminded me of... Uh, the the funeral of Princess Diana and how the palace tried to be silent and they were forced to come out for the funeral to pay their respects and that when Diana's casket went by, the queen bowed her head, which was incredibly significant because the queen bows to no one but God. And so there was a question as to how they were going to respond to this because there were so many shades of Diana. So they did go on to release a statement. So they released a statement. I'm going to read it quickly. Uh, it's very brief. The whole family is saddened to learn the full extent of how challenging the last few years have been for Harry and Meghan. The issues raised, particularly that of race, are concerning. While some recollections may vary, they are taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately. Harry, Meghan, and Archie will always be very much loved family members. What do you make of their statement? What else were they going to say? What else was it? What, I mean, like, what, what, what do you? So, two, two of the most popular people on earth went and got interviewed by the singular most popular journalistic figure on earth, and she conducted an extremely sympathetic interview with those people, in which those people aired you out and made you out to be a villain. The man, the man said his daddy cut off the money. The man said his father won't answer his phone call. He sure did. <laughs> the, man, the man said, the man said, <laughs> the, 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 man, the man said, I'm, I'm living off of what my, thank, thank God for my, for my dead mother because we wouldn't have no money if it hadn't been for her because daddy ain't giving me nothing and grandma ain't giving me nothing. I mean, like, he aired them out. What, what do you say to that? This was the line that just made me faint out and someone get me the smelling salts. While some recollections may vary, you know, that whole line, while some recollections may vary, they are taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately. And so, of course, and I'm joking here, but uh, addressed by the family pri privately, I'm sort of seeing a dungeon and a torture chamber. Um, <laughs> and then some recollections may vary. It's like all of a sudden it's like, Instead of seeing, um, you know, Meghan Markle, they're seeing like a trope of the welfare queen or something like what, what are the recollections that vary here? You know what I mean? It's just like I would actually be really interested in just seeing what everyone's recollections were, <laughs> because I'm sure that everybody does have a different perspective. I do feel like, you know, just as a human being, I hope they find peace, but they can't ask for a black woman to give them peace by wanting to kill herself. That's not acceptable in any way, shape or form. What I think is very troubling right now, what we're seeing a lot of in the British press, and uh, frankly, Piers Morgan was doing a lot of this, this insinuation that she was lying about that. One of the most insidious ways to respond to someone who is, is being so vulnerable is to tell them that they're lying because that simultaneously transitions them from victim with all the protections and compassion that that can confer to a villain. 
you know, if you're lying about that, you're a terrible human being. So it allows you then to morally continue attacking them. I can't help but think that so much of it has to do with this refusal to confer victimhood on black women, because then it would mean we have to protect them. Mm hmm. Yep. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And as someone who, you know, I, I struggled with depression earlier in my life. I, it's been years since I've had anything serious, but I have, there's no linking of logic to your feelings. You know, we all know people who are those people who empirically have a pretty awful life, but who have made peace with it. You know, people who have all sorts of multiple tragedies and yet are able to forge on. At the same time, you can empirically have a princess's life or a royal family member's life and be suicidally depressed. And for Piers Morgan to pretend that he doesn't understand, after years of covering celebrity, to pretend that he can't imagine someone with privilege being depressed is just also, it's ridiculous. Like, he knows better. It's just mean-spiritedness. For this American black woman who married into their family to be the to 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 give an interview that was so damaging to them um at least damaging to their to their public facade i think represents a, another chapter in that in that kind of global comeuppance of of you know historic and and systemic racism where like pe people around the world black people in particular around the world just we 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 not here for that no more. We not here for your fairy tales no more. I saw a lot of that in the empathy that people who may not have related to Meghan Markle otherwise, especially here in the United States, um, running to her defense and running to, you know, and, and cheering her on and saying like, this is how we've been treated. Well, I thought it was also very incredibly encouraging that Tyler Perry is the one that stepped up when they were in what seemed like a, a, you know, these are first world problems, sure, but it still doesn't mean that it wasn't terrifying. They were in Canada, uh, by Harry's telling. Um, their whereabouts were known. The press had revealed where they were living. And they had been cut off from security for their son and, and them, but their concern was for their son. And the borders were closing because of COVID closures. So I can see how that would be terrifying, especially if you're Harry, who's always grown up you know, in a palace with security, with protection, and now you're alone in the world, so to speak, and you're worried about protecting your family, especially in the context of his history of seeing what happened to his mother. And the person who stepped up and offered them shelter and protection was Tyler Perry. And Oprah Winfrey gave them a platform to tell their truth. That's powerful. From what I know about Tyler Perry, he is consistently giving back to the community. There's one story that's, you know, I'm sure the, the least of it, where he paid off nearly half a million dollars worth of Christmas gifts on layaway. You know, just, you know, that's what you can do when you got that kind of money. And I will admit, I do not like Tyler Perry movies, but I do love the fact that he owned Wakanda. You know, it's his studio, his remote location that was Wakanda in Black Panther, and that also is power. But what's interesting here is that 
You have a white man from one of the most powerful families in the world. And when he's in trouble, he does, he can't go to family. He goes to the black family. Right. He shows up. <laughs> Hello, this is the great black family. Come join us. You know, I just find that hilarious. Like the, well, like the, he, prince, he, the, prince, the prince of the world had to call Medea for some help. Like That's right. That's so funny. Somebody said, can you imagine the conversation of having to explain to the queen who Tyler Perry is? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Come on, now, now, the queen, you know the you know you know the queen sipped that yak and watched Tyler Perry movies. Well, on that note, Farai, where can people find your podcast? You have a terrific podcast. Our yeah, body thank you. Yeah, our body politic, and we got to have you on sometime. I, I just you know we will we will make that happen. But yeah, our body politic is on Apple and all the other podcatchers, and it's on some of the public radio stations across the country as well. So it's time now for the long run. This is our in-depth dive into this topic, which we definitely need this perspective <clears throat> today. Uh, we're joined now by Kyendi Andrews, professor of Black Studies in the School of Social Sciences at Birmingham City University and author of The New Age of Empire, How Racism and Colonialism Still Rule the World. How'd I do with Birmingham? You we did. That was, actually, about pronouncing. That, that was really impressive. It wasn't the Birmingham, which I expect usually from Americans. I'm trying. I'm trying my best <laughs> to be proper. So do you do you go by Professor Andrews, Kyandi? How would you like us to refer to you? Kyandi is fine. I, I don't I use, I try not to use Professor unless it's like work. Unless it's white people, basically. Oh, that's why people. Okay, great. Well, that's then you're kind of here. You're with family. Um, all right. So let's let's talk about this. Um, I really need some perspective here because what shocked me so much in that interview was the notion that someone would come to the United States to flee racism. And I thought to myself instantly, I need some perspective from someone who's black and British because I really need to understand how this is being received by my brothers and sisters across the pond. So, what was your reaction to what you heard? In that interview i mean not surprised i mean i think actually one of the things is that and it's actually with the uk we don't really have a black middle class thing it's not really a thing um there's like a few black people who have a bit of money and so you know america is kind of seen as this place where it's better right because you have jay-z you have beyonce you have there's a lot more black people with money so i'm not surprised they actually fled to the states because the kind of life they want to lead <laughs> honestly it don't exist here i'm fascinated by the idea of like this this notion of backwards social and, and economic um, mobility for 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 black folks in the UK compared to the United States because here we don't consider ourselves as a as a group to be doing to to be the place that that black people would want to come to like like Mar said to escape racism or to escape any sort of you know social or economic strata. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's true, right? So America has the extremes. And, but you, you have like, I mean, we actually do have conversations in the UK about, you know, is it better to be black in Britain or black in, in the US? And like, as a whole, it's 100% better to be black in the UK. Like America's awful. I've never, I've got three boys. I never moved to America. That's, that sounds like a, like a terrible, terrible idea. But if you do have money and not middle-class, but like elite money, America is better. There's more opportunities. There's more people. Whereas here, it really isn't. And I think the, the parts of the story where she's talking about the racism she's experienced and the microaggressions and the mental health issues and there's nowhere to but if you, like me i'm in kind of this middle class profession that just resonates because that's just our experience on a day-to-day -day, i think it was actually the first time i think a lot of black britons felt that much connection to Meghan markle because she was actually ex ex narrating our experience of racism which actually up until there she hasn't really done at all 
All we're seeing is the British press coverage. You know, we're, we're not having interactions with, you know, people like you. When you look at the British press, they're doubling down on their thrashing of her. Of course, no group is monolithic. But as you speak to other, you know, Blacks in the UK, what, what is the response that you're hearing about to this interview? I think the response is pretty much the same, right? Like, is she, we, we understand it, but obviously the media don't, the press don't. And I think that's, again, another difference with, this, with the states in the UK. Because the UK, like, you know, we offshored slavery in the Caribbean, colonial violence, is, is, it's not, there's not that many of us here. It's only like 3% of the population is Black. Uh, there's just a really immature conversation about race. It's only since the 60s, really, we kind of started talking about race at all. Um, and that, that this isn't really a benefit in America. The reason you have a more advanced discussion about racism is because the racism is more extreme and you've been there for long. So it's, it's not really a, once there's a plus thing, but there really is like, if you look at the British press, there's just a, it's, it's, it's a, there is no real good way to talk about good way, but there's not a really nuanced conversation about racism, uh, which is why you're seeing this response. And again, for black Britons, this isn't new to us. We kind of know this and we kind of experienced this. So it just felt, I think for a lot of people, it just felt like, we, we this was something we know this is this is something we're comfortable with. whereas before actually i don't think that was the case for a lot of black people with Meghan markle and the royal family just generally i don't think i think what people are appreciating is that now we are talking about race a lot and actually not just talking about race because in 2018 we were talking about race but in this delusion fantasy progress narrative but actually now we're having an actual proper conversation about impact on mental health the royal family's racist etc and i think that's what people appreciate rather than like she's telling obviously we all know but now we're having a conversation we wouldn't be having usually in britain your book touches upon race and colonialism you mentioned kind of outsourcing of racism where it wasn't necessarily within the borders of the country but it was within the borders of the empire what is the history of racism as it pertains to the british empire i mean slavery is still really important and i mean remember that you know um, for the first what, 100 years of slavery in America, it's, it's the British Empire. It's part of Britain, the same way that Caribbean was, et cetera. Um, and that was kind of, if you think about the stereotypes and uh, the ways that Black people are seen, it's identical. It's the same formation, it's the same idea. And that definitely traveled to, to the heart of empire as well. Also, about heart, until actually, until so there's the, when you get Black people in the UK um, in big numbers after the Second World War, for a large time, it's dominated by Caribbeans. And with descendants of the enslaved, same way. It's actually, in many ways, that migration from the Caribbean to Britain and from the south to the north is very similar, right? Like we came from former plantation economies, we go because we think it's going to be better, and it's no better. It's kind of it's just it's, it's urban ghetto, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So for a long time, it was very Caribbean dominated. I'm Caribbean. Like you still have kind of about half, roughly about half the population is is still Caribbean. So slavery is still a big part of it. But then you also have because of the other colonies in Africa. Um, there's also a lot of people who don't have uh, directly have slavery in their in their history. Um, but if you think about the racial formation, where we are in society, at the bottom in the inner city, um, it's more likely to get arrested by the police, etc. It really is the same kind of formation that you have in the states and you have um, here. It's not it's not that different. The only real difference is it's just way more extreme in America because America is. Europe on steroids, right? Like it's, it, it is like the Garden of Eden <laughs> where they can just do whatever they want. That's <laughs> so, hilarious. Right? So you can see it really clearly in America, um, but it's the same problem that we have here, really. But then there's also the added layer of colonizing countries where the people are brown. Yeah, it's really quite complex, right? Because there is the British Empire is massive, it's a quarter of the world at one point. 
an empire so large the sun never sits. And you have, you know, people from all corners of the empire are in Britain. Britain's very diverse in that way. Lots of different, um, and in fact, black people aren't the biggest minority group in, in the UK at all. Um, but, and the, the way that people treated was appalling, it was horrendous, basically like India, in Africa, et cetera. Now, the way it gets a bit more complicated is because these countries are still, we think about them as being separate, but really they were part of Britain. They were part of the empire. They had the same uh, school system. In fact, it's probably worse in some ways, more Eurocentric. The queen's the head of state. The queen is still the head of state of Jamaica, actually, where, where my family's from. Um, and so either, like my grandmother's the most, was the most like pro-monarchy person that he would ever meet, right? <laughs> they just love the queen. queen why? The queen why, do they love, why do they love the queen? Help me understand this. Because they were taught to, right? Like they grew up in schools, like the queen is the head of state, England is the mother country, it's great, it's wonderful, etc. And there's a lot of lies about that. And then actually, in my generation down, probably maybe my dad's generation down, like we can't, they're in England and they experience racism, so we kind of understand this is a joke. But for people outside, it's, it's not that clear, right? Yeah, it's definitely an indoctrination, I think, that happens. So, so my fiancé is actually from a former Brit British uh, colonies from from Guyana and so immediately after the interview she calls her mom or her mom called her one one or two like it was a minute after the interview was over and they and they had to have this whole discussion about you know this this story of palace intrigue and, and where it all fit in whereas my perspective on this on all of this outside of the news value of the event because I'm a journalist my perspective on it is, has always been very much I live in a country that fought a revolution to separate itself from Great Britain and from the crown. And, and as a layer on top of that, I'm, I'm black. And so there was, a, and so even after that revolution, there was still another, you know, violent struggle that had to happen to, to, you know, release my antecedents from, you know, from slavery. Like you chose to go over there and be with them people. We knew what those people were. Like we we knew what we knew what they were. If that's your decision and that's who you fell in love with, more power to you. But you chose that, right? And then you can and then you're coming back like, oh my God, they treated me so poorly. And we sitting here like, mm, we knew what they were going to. Well, I you know I I was surprised I was surprised by what I heard. Candy, were you surprised by what you heard? Were you surprised? No, not at all. Like no, no, that, that instinct is right. The royal family is terrible. It is probably the premier symbol of white supremacy in the whole world, but it is a really deeply racist institution. What what would you expect? And I think the I think one of the things that actually kind of did surprise me, not surprise me, but I was quite glad about it was the way they were talking about it was they were hoping that Megan could become part of the family and represent the the common represent the family to the Commonwealth. I mean that would have been a nightmare. That'd have been way worse. That's not the Why? last thing because the royal family is this terribly white institution, even today. So if we think about the Commonwealth, we kind of have kind of made that sound like it's a good thing. The Commonwealth is just the British Empire with a different name, right? Where the head of that Commonwealth is this old white lady and the Commonwealth is just black and brown people. It makes no sense, right? We need to get rid of those kind of things. And there was this, I think there was this urge to say, well, actually, can she kind of can make everybody feel better about the monarchy? Is she just rebranding a racist product? So I'm actually glad. This is actually a good thing much better than the, than the alternative. Because I think the only positive thing to come out of this, in the UK at least, is that we're having a, a, a different conversation about racism, which she wouldn't have. Other than that, I, I honestly could care less about this. 
Um, although people keep asking me about it, so I have to talk about it, right? Right. Well, and you also have a book that's perfectly timed to this. So congratulations yes. on that timing. I don't know how you got Oprah to time this interview to the release of your book about colonialism and racism, but props to you. Um, the book is The New Age of Empire, How Racism and Colonialism Still Rule the World. Thank you so much for joining us. This, is, this was the perspective I've been waiting for since I watched the interview. No, it's true, but it's, I mean, one of the things, it is a bit sad that this is how we have to talk about race, right? Like there's so many actually really interesting things about race we can talk about, but it's Meghan Markle. And it's been like that for the last three years. Again, at least we're having a, a slightly better conversation, I guess. Yeah. I'm trying to be positive. I'm always, I'm always a bit negative. So I'm, I'm trying to look for- Well, the- you and Keith <laughs> should get along great then. I mean- yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I think we do, I, I, at least because I, I was hoping, I knew I was coming on here to, here, here to talk to you and I know you have a different perspective on it. So I was hoping that I wasn't just left out here dangling because I, I have a sense that some of our listeners are going to disagree with me vehemently, and I'm okay with that. But at least I got a little bit of backup from somebody who's on the other side and, and, and who sees it on the ground. I'll take that. Oh, yeah. I mean, for also black people in Britain, honestly, Monica, for my generation, Dan, it's just like the police. Like, that's, that's how we think about it. There's no, there's not a good thing. It's a racist institution. It's just, it's just a complete, it's one of the police, the school, all of that. It's just, this. I think one of the things in America, I think that, you kind of, around the world, you get this fairy tale, fantasy, the crown image. That is not what the royal family is. It's a terrible institution. And, and yeah, Black Britain will tell you that 100%. Of the you are blowing my mind right now. You just compared the royal family to the police, which is a comparison that, you know, I can really understand. And I have always viewed it at the fairy tale. Like, I woke up early to watch the wedding and I cried. Like, I cried my eyes out and watching I, that wedding. And I did not get that because she did the same thing. And I was mm. like, what the, you are you watching? Are you fucking <laughs> what? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. What? What? Uh, Malcolm what? makes his birthday. Could, it's Malcolm and, makes his and, birthday. And, and, uh, uh, bruh. <laughs> oh <laughs> like, man, you really? guys are killing me. Really? He's like, what's going on? <laughs> You guys are killing me. All right. Well, one more thing I got to scratch off my list. Can't enjoy nothing. Kayendi, thank you so much for your time. Hey, don't forget to subscribe and please leave us a five-star review. And the conversation continues on social media. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RuntellThis underscore. Check out new episodes every Wednesday. Run Tell This is an independent production of Mara Scampo, Inc.